Thank you very much. Thank you. We are clapping for God. I am a vessel. I am a broken vessel. I am a cracked vessel. But God works through us in all amazing ways, right? It is wonderful to be here in an environment of higher ed. I just love it. <laughs> I work in India, not an environment of higher ed. I'm not quite sure how to say that well, <laughs> but it's nice to be among us in a class this morning. We just had good discussion. I just love it. I am so glad to be here. Thank you, Dr. Zarns and Katya for inviting us to come. Our son Seth, our youngest son Seth, and my husband David is here. Uh, we have an older son Bruce. We're from Indiana. That's about all I know to say right now. We moved to India when, back in 2008 with a one-way ticket. It's a little different when you have a one-way ticket. <laughs> we got there. We had our two sons. They were four and 11 at the time. This guy here who's now 17 was four when he first went to India. So if he gets in your personal space a little bit, it's because he's Indian, okay? Don't, don't, it's okay. <laughs> we went there with our two sons, a lot of hope, a lot of anticipation. We soon realized, though, that just because we moved overseas, that isn't what makes us global workers. It's when we do what global workers do is what makes us global workers, right? Just because you live overseas doesn't mean you're a global worker. You have to do those things that global workers do to be a global worker. Well, more on that later. We're going to first look at the story of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda and how we can be very much like him. So let's go to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Let's just read through it first, and then we'll go through the verses. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. Verse 3. Let's go back to verse 3. I can find it in this little Bible. Okay, verse 3. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. We can be physical invalids, just like this man. We can be. That can happen to us. But we can also be emotional invalids. We can be blind to ourselves. We can be paralyzed by fear. We can feel lame or sidelined or deficient. We can feel unaccepted or defective. Those are all physical, emotional problems that we can have that can totally paralyze us. Verse 5 says, here we go. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. He had been there for 38 years. This man was very aware of his problems. 
In my life, I've been clueless about my problems before. <laughs> I haven't been really self-aware at times. You know, I thought, I'm good. I'm, I've, yeah, I'm not perfect. No, nobody's perfect. But I'm pretty good. But I was pretty clueless, really, about my problems. I was really blind to them. I went to India when I was 34 years old. I was called when I was 14. It took me 20 years to get there. So just a side note, just because it might take a long time doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Okay? Went to India when I was 34 years old. Unlike this man who knew he was an invalid and was very aware of his problems, I was clueless and blinded to mine. Four years later, when I was 38 years old, I become very aware of my shortcomings and my own lameness and just how much of an invalid I was compared to how God wanted me to be. Living in another culture will show you things about yourself that you may well never see otherwise. You know, I've heard many say that American culture and Indian culture are about as far apart as you can get. And I would probably have to agree with them. <laughs> and not in a wrong way, not in that American culture is wrong or Indian culture is wrong, just different, extremely different. And I, I'd agree with that, having lived there now almost 15 years. Before I went to India, I was very unaware of why I did the things I did. Immersing myself in our family, in a culture, very much unlike our own, made me very aware of our natural tendencies. And some of them just aren't right. Like, I remember when we first went there and we went to the bank and there's no line system. You know, this is the counter of the bank. It's just a group of people. There's no lines, no, like, orderly lines. And the only way to get help is to get your hand on the counter. If you get your hand on the counter and make space, then eventually someone will recognize you. Well, if we like the Enneagram here, I'm not sure. But if we do, I'm a type 8. So type 8s, what do we do? We teach everybody the line system, right? No, you stand here, you stand here, you stand here, and then it will work efficiently, and we'll all be happy. Guess what? They didn't want to learn the line system. That didn't work at all. And they looked at me like I was crazy, because I really was crazy, <laughs> trying to teach people that had done it this way for how many years, a system they didn't want to learn. Doesn't make sense. Made sense to me, didn't make sense to them, right? Let's go to verse 6. Remind me, babe, to never bring this Bible again. This is too small, no matter how small my purse is. Okay, verse 6. Oh, my word. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Jesus asked him this question. Okay, hear me out. I might say some things that seem against some things that you might hold dear and true to your heart and to your Christian walk. But just hear me out, okay? We can have a discussion about this. Here in the West, Western world, we go to church. In fact, that's where we are now, pretty much, right? We go to church. We go to small groups. Lots of churches have small groups, community fellowships, whatever you might call them. We go hang out with our Christian friends. Those are all good things, right? Those are all good things. But what happens? We go to these things, 
And not in a negative way, but I refer to them as props. Props. We go to these things, props as I will call them, and hopefully we feel God's presence and we go home feeling better after our church service or after our small group or after a time out with our encouraging friends. We go to these things and we feel better. And that's good, right? Answers? Yes. Not always. This is where you might not like what I say, okay? Just, we go home feeling better because we have been propped up by the fun time with friends, the encouraging small group, or the good speaker at our church service. Not me, other people. (laughs) We feel good because we've had that encouraging time and it's been so great and the spirit was here and that is good. Please hear me. I'm not saying that's not good. It is good, and we need that. And the Bible tells us to do those things. So, of course, that's good. But what I am saying is that our feelings can deceive us. Our feelings stop us from doing the deep, soul-abiding work to really be able to answer the question that Jesus asked. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? That process is on our own. Yes, we can find lots of help out of Bible studies and church services, but it's not supposed to replace the time and initiative that we take to walk with Jesus on a daily basis in our own steps, on our own timing, and on our own. Are you with me? Balcony? You're my people. (laughs) We cannot go to services like this and walk out and say, I'm good. I'm good. And you might be better than you were when you walked in the door. In fact, I hope you are. That's a good thing. But we have to not say, I was at chapel. I was at this small group, so I'm good. No, you're not. You have to work and abide on your own to hear what God says to you personally because you know what? He loves you personally. Verse 7. Okay, I'm getting there. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. The lame man says, I have no one to help me get into the pool. You know, unlike this man, we have a lot of help, don't we? We have a lot of help. Except the difference is instead of relying on the help of the Holy Spirit for our wholeness and our healing, we take the help of a feel-good church service and call it done. But we aren't whole. We are not whole. Many times we try to go after our healing the same way everyone else is. But God has a journey specific for us, specific for our life, for where we are in our family. It's specific to us. If we will only listen to him and let the Holy Spirit be our help. The Holy Spirit is here. He walks with us out those doors. And he wants to walk with us every moment of our day. If we'll just abide with him. In our context in India, we don't have a church service to go to or small groups to be a part of. Our walk with Christ has to be cultivated 
by our own disciplines and with the Holy Spirit. And you know, to be completely honest, we're Live Dead team leaders. We have a team in India that we lead, and people come to our team a lot, and they're spiritual giants. They have these amazing references. Our Springfield office has highly recommended them, and they do a great job vetting people as much as they can for what people will reveal. You can't, you can't know stuff that no one tells you, you know? So these people, we've been team leaders for a while now. People get overseas, they come to our team, and in a week, they're toast. They just can't handle it. Because what's happened? Those props, those church services, those small groups, those things are gone. And they don't have the abiding time on their own. They don't have the ability, the disciplines built in their life to know who Jesus is on their own. Don't be that person. I don't care if you never go overseas, although I highly recommend it. (laughs) The best thing we've ever done. If you never go overseas, you have to be that person that can live without a church service. We need it in our life. We do need it. It's not a bad thing. Please hear me on that. But you have to be able to know who Jesus is and to be able to be healed through the Holy Spirit in your own time. Verse 8. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed, and walk. Jesus is saying that to us today. Just like this sister down here said in her prayer, she said, find the spark in our quiet time. To find the spark in our prayer time. That's what we're needing today. We're needing that spark on our own. Jesus said, get up. He's telling us today, get up. Go and do the things I'm calling you to do. If when Dr. Zarns talked about that global degree, the global business degree, the entrepreneurship degree that they're starting in the fall, if that scares you to death, guess what? Guess what? You might want to check into that. Don't be paralyzed by your fear. Because where does fear come from? Let's just say not God. Okay? Jesus is not the author of fear. Don't be blind to your own self. Don't allow your feelings of being defective or an outcast sideline you. God is here. He has called you. Get up. Be healed. Know who you are in Christ so that God can do a deep work within you to be remade into his image. Verse 9. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. God doesn't hesitate. He meets us right where we're at, what we're doing, where we are, and he guides us into our healing. Emotional healing, spiritual healing, whatever healing is we need, because we all need it. There's not one person here that doesn't need it. We all need it, me included. Be open to however God wants to accomplish that within you. For this man, his healing looked completely different than how everyone else had been healed in front of him for 38 years. They all had to get up and get in the pool, and it was stirred, and they were healed. He was healed differently, but his healing was just as effective. For me, my healing was when I got up, and I went to do what God had called me to do, and yes, I went broken. I didn't know I was broken. (laughs) I thought it was pretty good, to be honest. (laughs) And many of you out here today might not even realize that about yourself either, that you are broken in places, but you are. We're not going to create problems that aren't there, but we are going to be honest, right? 
I was broken. We have a business, Remade Education and Business is what it's legally called. It's an ethical textile company that began with a vision of a small sewing group of women that I could develop intentional relationships with to share truth. Little did I know that God was actually beginning a BAM, a business as mission, that we would begin from the ground up. This vision of a group of women sewing and sharing life together came to me when I was living in India, but basically hated living there at the time. It's the middle of our second term. I had been trying to get work together with the women. You know, in India, men are with men, women are with women. You don't, I don't really talk to men. My husband doesn't really talk to women. We're there together working, but our ministries are very apart in lots of ways. Men are out. He's able to talk to them, but the women aren't. They're in their homes. They're hidden away in many ways. And I was having such a hard time. It was a very, very hard place for me as a woman to function. It's a male-driven society, but yet God had sent me there, someone who God had created with lots of, I call it determination. (laughs) My husband might have another word, but don't ask him. (laughs) Lots of determination and, let's say, leadership, okay? God created me that way. Things that in the West really benefit me. When I come to America, it works. That helps me, right? But I quickly found that these qualities made it very difficult for me in India. I felt like that man at the side of the pool of Bethesda just waiting for something to happen, but nothing ever did. Then God began speaking to me about me. I realized it wasn't everyone else that was the problem as much as it was me. I needed to be remade. I needed to die to myself more and more. Once I understood how God was guiding me, things started to take off. That's when this vision of a sewing group came, and as he was healing me from the inside out, he began using me to do new work on the outside. Simultaneously, I was being renewed, but I was also being used. Like I said, he uses our broken vessels. He uses us. That's miraculous to me. We just keep walking with God, and he will guide us, and he will heal us. Just a side note. If you ever think that God can't use you for one reason, first of all, that's not true. But secondly, God uses moms. Did you know that? I'm a mother. And I love being a mother. I love being a wife. But I am not David. David is not me. God speaks to me. God speaks to David. And Jesus leads us. And we do these things, this crazy life. Right? God uses moms. God uses single women, married men. Married women, single men, dads, no matter what our relationship status status is, God wants to use us. Being a mom and a wife on the mission field has only enhanced my influence. It takes intentional effort, yes, because kids are work. (laughs) But if you want to get married and have kids, but it feels like you can't be a mom or dad and still be effective overseas, I am here to tell you that is not true. Don't let someone tell you that. Don't let someone put you in a corner and make you believe that you can't make those family choices and still be effective because that is not the case. You can be an awesome parent and a great spouse and also be an awesome global worker. Just ask my son. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Also, side note, we need teammates. If God is calling you into global work in India, grab a hold of that global entrepreneurship degree and come join us in India. Come for an internship. It's been six years since we made began, and now we are the largest employer in our community, and we employ over 80 ladies and men in five different unreached villages in West Bengal, India. It's amazing. God isn't done, though. 
We're not dead yet. Things are still happening. We've prevented women like Bina in this pic. Oh, I missed the pic. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I went too long. There's a pic up there, Bina. She was being uh, groomed to be in the red light district. The red light district is 12 miles. The largest red light district in India. Okay, there it is. Where is she? Yeah, I sent the wrong pics. Okay, she's not up there. <laughs> all right. She's somewhere. Um, the largest red light district in all of Southeast Asia is 12 miles from where we live. But people are very unaware of that because they just live in their communities. And they don't go outside of that. This girl was being groomed to be, a, to be taken to that area, and we were able to prevent that with our business because we could employ her and give her options that she didn't have before. She was able to say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. There's more stories where that one came from. We've seen women and men have their lives remade by the powerful truth of Jesus. This business gives us access into India, otherwise that we wouldn't be able to live there. We can share about truth, help women know their true worth, and support the community economically, all because of this business. Today we have a home fellowship group that meets every Friday night that is made up of men and women from the communities we engage that have accepted truth. These people had never heard of Jesus before. We went there not because of us, but what God did through us. They understood truth and who Jesus really is. Now they believe fully. Every Friday night, 20 to 25 people come to our house who did not know who Jesus was before, and now they believe. And it's just because we went and we were there. I can tell you, though, if I hadn't recognized what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me personally about dying to myself and being remade, none of that would have happened when I was hating the culture and hating life, I would have packed up and went home, and none of this would have happened. God guides us as he is healing us. He guides us into all that he has for us to do for him. In conclusion, let me say this. We have to be remade in Christ. God uses us in our brokenness, but we have to get up and take the steps to be whole in him and walk into all he has for us, just as that lame man got up and walked after Jesus healed him. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. So I ask you today, what is God saying to you? Where are you getting up to? Where are you walking to? What is it that God is leading you to? And I encourage you today to abide to know the Holy Spirit like your brother, like your sister, in a way that no one else can tell you different. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for every person that's in this room. Dear Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in the lives here. I would love to sit and hear all the stories. God, I pray there's anyone in this room right now that feels like they're saying, yeah, that's all good for everyone but me. I pray you just speak to them now, God. I pray their heart races, their mind thinks of things it hasn't thought of before. The Holy Spirit comes on them in tangible ways, Lord, so they know that you are there, God. God, I pray for those that are struggling to know what they're supposed to do with their life. God, I pray, Lord, that fear be gone, that they would step out in boldness, that they would do those things, whatever it may be, God, I pray, Lord, for special anointing on their lives. God, most of all, Lord God, I pray 
for each of us here, God, that you would draw us closer to you. We know that you are always drawing us to you, Lord. God, may we hear that, and when we respond to that drawing that you ever so gently give to us, God, you are always drawing us closer. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you, Lord, for using us for trusting us with this world that you're working through us to help. God, I pray for the millions of unreached people in India right now, the people that are sitting there in their homes, like the 100-year-old man we met a couple weeks ago that had never heard of Jesus. But now today he has. We know there's many, many more like that man, God. And we pray you'd, you'd send us to them, every one of them, God. Send these students out, God. Send these students out to declare your word, to declare your worth, to declare you as their Savior to those that have never heard. In your name we pray. Amen.